You're listening to the CHN Radio Podcast. Make plans to be part of the Toonami 2019 meetup in Denver, Colorado. Join us for a pint at the Hogshead and Celtic February 22nd through 24th with our special guest, Warren Barton. Pete Mackham's allowed. How are you, the lads? Welcome to CHN Radio, episode 39. 39 seems like an amazing number because this is the episode where we have broken our transfer record. After 14 years, I am with a, well, really just the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. How are you doing? I'm chilling. I'm, yeah. I'm with the best damn co-host in the land. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Oh, Flip yeah. the script on you. Oh, yeah. Elijah Newsom and Greg Troxell taken over the world now we have a big show for you today so i'm just going to get some logistics out of the way um follow us at coming home and ufc go to our website coming home newcastle.com we've had a lot of articles and some of the things we're going to talk about we called back in december one that we signed miguel almiron mm-hmm. we called it it happened on this podcast with roberto rojas so you're welcome, everybody. Not to toot our own horns, but I think that we are probably... We were, right. we were right. Well, one, I think we were some of the biggest people who made Roberto Rojas as credible as he is. Because yeah. we quoted him in an article. I then sent his tweets to Lee Ryder. I'm just saying. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. And then... You just threw Lee, it. Yeah, Lee Ryder quoted him. We had him on the pod. It was just a perfect storm. and. I'm kidding. Roberto's great. Um, he deserves all the accolades in the world. And he's getting like a lot of shout outs. Taylor Twelman tweeted about him, which yeah. is wild. He just did interviews with BBC. I mean, yeah. he's, he's everywhere. So um, give us a follow. Our podcast account at CHN underscore radio. And also, guys, rate us and review us five stars on iTunes, wherever you listen. It goes a really long way and it only takes like eight seconds to do. So please help us out with that. The more reviews that we get from you, the more people that eventually will get introduced to our podcast and it would mean a ton to us. So thanks so much. So let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time since 2005, Newcastle United have broken their transfer record to buy attacking midfielder from Atlanta United Miguel Almiron. Is he a wrestler or 
Yeah. Cam, I don't. Yeah, well, he's in the featherweight class. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So just a little bit about the deal. We you may have saw that we have an emergency podcast about Miguel Almiron. So we're not going to get too much in depth to it here. Um. But it was reported from the Guardian that it, the deal is actually a 16 million pound deal with an additional 4.7 payment conditional on meeting like various performance related targets. That's what the Guardian's reporting. So that's what. I'm going to go with right now. I think it rises to 21.7, I think, is the full amount, uh, which would break the our transfer reg- record. Our original record was a uh, person that we don't like to mention as much, Michael Owen from Real Madrid. It was 16.8. Um, so as long as those uh, all those the performance variables work, then it will officially be the record breaker signing for Newcastle United. Um, just a, uh, uh, just one thing for me, and then Elijah, I, I just want you to mention something too. Like, I mean, this is going to be incredible. I like, I have a little bit of a bias because you know I've watched him on the television for two years, and I'm not uh, an Atlanta United supporter by any means, but I lived in Atlanta during the time of Miguel Almiron. I feel like it's an era now. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is. <laughs> and and uh, and you know, seeing being able to see him live and on the, on TV and like just the whole st- I mean I've I've watched him play probably over 50 times and just to see him and how he dominated an entire league and it, it was incredible and then eventually winning the cup I'm so excited for this to happen I think it's it's massive for Newcastle United and um it shows and it's odd to say but it shows a little bit of intent and it could have been a panic buy but I don't care so, Elijah, yeah. what's, what's your thought? Um, well, for the people who have been living underneath a rock, um, one, we have a podcast about Miguel Amaron. So, right after this one, you could actually even pause and then just, if you want to just hear about Amaron and go listen to that. Yep. It's a chock full of just great interviews uh, with, uh, with. Yes, and pl- plug yourself, Elijah. Plug yourself. Plug myself. <laughs> what, what else is in, in this podcast? Because I haven't sold it well enough. I don't know. Your interview. Oh yeah. I just left. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just dazed. It's been a day people. Um, but yeah, I I just was on another podcast because we're, we're getting big time. I was on the dirty South soccer podcast talking about Newcastle and Mike Ashley. And we've got audio from an interview with them. We got an audio with, with Roberto Rojas, Trevor Mooney, the truck, the questionnaire, all these people who have been watching Miguel and we, we, talk about the good the bad the wonderful things and there's some stuff that you know even after like processing this and talking this out with other people I think I was so caught up on trying to convince Newcastle fans about his technical ability that I think I've completely forgotten almost that he's going to be a hit at Newcastle regardless of how good or bad he is because he does one thing that everyone in Newcastle praises a ton and he works his butt off and like he is he defends, he, he goes forward, he's, he doesn't run out of gas, he'll give you the full 90, he'll sprint the whole time. And if people assume, like, people thought Iose Paris worked hard. Like, Miguel is a, is a different beast in that regard, so I'm excited to see that. Um, and I'm excited to see how things go. I think he's going he's gonna to try things that we aren't used to seeing, um, that we haven't seen in a while, because we haven't had a true number 10 in a while. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's just a little bit. I don't want to tease all the analytical stuff, all the analysis that like our Greg and myself and a bunch of these other people have done. Um, 
but yeah check out that pod it is it is amazing i'm assuming yeah, yeah. um so let's get into the next bit of news we also that wasn't the only signing we made today shocking also um antonio barreca the italian uh it's a loan to buy deal from monaco um one of the I would say he's he's part of the long line of people that have voluntarily moved from Monaco to the north of England. <laughs> Joking, obviously, there. But 23-year-old left back, Antonio Barreca from French League onside Monaco. Actually, uh, just a small aside, just to keep up with, like, other top leagues, I just, like, follow clubs. I don't necessarily support them. I mean, when they're on, I cheer for them. But Torino is actually one of the club I follow – per se in Italy, just so I can keep like in the know in other leagues when I'm like, cause obviously I'm, I'm for, for moments like this, essentially where there's yeah. like another player from a different yeah. league and, and it's Bur- like, Oh, Bur- I don't Bur- really know. Uh, about him, but you've yeah. seen him play. Bur- yeah. And I, actually the first year I really started like following Bereka was, I guess, arguably his best pro season with Torino. It was a pretty good year. Um, and you know, it will be like a 900K loan fee that we're going to get and a buyout fee that's fixed just under 8 mil. Honestly, in my opinion, and we have an Antonio Barreca emergency podcast too, so you'll definitely hear more about that uh, on like a more in-depth on him. But my opinion, I don't think he's worth 8 mil right now, uh, just his current form. But um, he becomes the third Italian-born player to represent Newcastle United, Alessandro Pistone, David Santon. Remember him? Yeah. And it, it's Italian international Giuseppe Rossi, but he was born in the United States. Uh, I always refer to him as American. I don't care what anybody else says. Um, and so, yeah, so pretty cool stuff. Um, if you remember, Emmanuel Riviere was the last player to go from Monaco to Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. And Frank Dumas in 1999 was the other player. So I think we're getting a player. You know, I actually, Elijah, just – curious on yours and and like i said we have an emergency podcast so go listen to him and and we'll get more into depth but i some of the interviews from him is say they wanted to uh they liked his ability to cross the ball and move up field i am against that i think that's where he's at his worst Interesting. but just um what's what's your thoughts quick thoughts on him um i think that from what i've seen and from what i've read it looks like he's more valuable in a back five than a back four. Yeah. I don't know. I that, think and that's why that's what they're saying. That's why they signed him. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a good depth signing and I'm not mad about it. I think like I, I could see your frustration if it was like Samaris because it's like Hayden, it, I, you could argue Hayden's better than Samaris, but you really can't argue that we have another backup left back. That's better than, Breca because we don't have a backup left back. So completely <laughs> in agreement there. Real quick, uh, who would you start in a three four three, like five four one, five two two, whatever it is formation um, in left wing back? Would you start Matt Ritchie or Antonio Barreca? Oh, I don't know. Because um, that means one of them are going to sit on the bench. Yeah, that's true. With a new Almiron signing. That's true. That's true. Um, I don't so know. Right now, just gut instinct. Who would you put on there? God, I didn't think I'd put Matt Ritchie for going with a. Yeah. If we're doing this this weekend, then I'm yeah. going Matt Ritchie because also, I mean, that's part of it is because I think that 
to play under Rafi, you need a couple weeks to at least adjust. Like, yeah, there's a lot of point. United fans who are like, can't wait to see Miguel come off the bench this weekend. I'm like, dude, that's not how <laughs> Benitez operates. Like, like we saw literally Muto did not play for a month. <laughs> he, he like, one, his English wasn't great. And, two, like, Rafa's like, he's not tactically ready. He's not, he's not physically ready. Like, Rafa will sit you until he believes that you're ready to take on that that jump and a big part of that is like how you know Newcastle plays a unit so I mean I would be shocked if Miguel starts next week I would actually be surprised if he starts next week um but anyway yeah, yeah. well you, did you say Miguel or I said I was saying just in general because I yeah Miguel I said Miguel. This, like this Saturday right you mean like next no I mean after. like literally okay. like okay. next week I just want to make sure yeah. We were on the I'm basically day. trying to say that Atlanta United fans do not like get your hopes up and think that Miguel's just going to slot in and immediately start because that's one not how Rafa operates and two yeah. like I know that you know people are like and I know Roberto tweeted about this earlier he's still technically not in match fitness like he has he's had a month off yes he's been training but every single person in the world every commentator has all they all make the same reference um being game ready and being you know in shape like in shape for games and in shape in general two different things so he's still going to be a little bit rusty and i'd I'd think that he'd probably ease himself back into playing the full 90 so that that as well still needs to get a work permit which we'll talk about yeah um another thing that you know it's it's amazing to have an overload of, of news coming from Newcastle United because, you know, I mean, we've only done this since the start of this season. So it's not like even like we're seasoned vets. We're rookies right now. But, like, we haven't had this amount of information. Guys, we beat Man City. We did. <laughs> like, I haven't even mentioned that on the podcast that we're about to review our Man City match. And it's not even been mentioned because we also broke our transfer record. What a time. What a yeah. few days it's been. Um, so just to, we have, we had a bunch of outgoings and they're not permanent. They're all loans. So what I want to do, Elijah, I'm going to mention a player and where they're going and let's both of us each say like the first two or three words that comes to mind just on how it will go or like, do you even care? Like it could be anything. Just the first thing that you could think of in reaction to the player and the team. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. First one. Jacob Murphy to West Brom. Uh, it's good for his confidence. That, that's it. Okay. Mine is interesting move considering our depth. Counterpoint. Miguel oh. Maroon can play left wing. Yeah, but, but that's a different that's a different situation altogether. But but, but who else? Huh? But who else? I well, you've signed that you don't have to play like you still you essentially have the same amount of wingers you did before. Yeah, but that's what I, that's my point. Like why would like that, that's why I thought it was odd. Like we've already had depth issues. It could so be odd unless, be... unless we're changing formation and we're going to this. If we, if we go back three, back five full time or whatever, which I don't think we would, but it does seem like an interesting shift. Um, I, I would be, it, I don't know. It, it does. It wouldn't seem as bad to me if that makes sense, because then you'd have two wingers on your bench. Yeah. And then essentially you have to also consider that I would imagine Perez's role has changed and he's not, he's not your cam. I think your two cams per se are Almiron and Muto and Perez is going to be a winger. Yeah. 
Because I mean, he's, uh, he's uh, better as a winger. So, like, that was my thing is that, like, I think pe- – like, and people were saying the same thing about we need another striker. And it was like, Muto is a striker. <laughs> so, like, I don't – it was weird. I, I yeah, think, I mean, but so was Hosselu, you know? I mean – Yeah, I know. That's what I was saying. But that was, that was in reaction to Hosselu's getting sold to China, which didn't happen. But they're like, oh, we can't sell Hosselu because then we'll only have Rondon as, as a striker, which is, like, a fair assessment. But it's like we also could just recall Gale and Loan. We, like yeah. there's options, so I think that's the same thing. Is that like, yes, losing Murphy is is like, yeah, that sucks for depth, but it's not like we don't have players who can play that position. Mainly, yeah. I'm looking at like I would imagine Iose Perez is going to get more minutes out on the wing, uh, and Matt Rich is going to return to playing out on the wing, Atsu as well, possibly Muto out there. Who knows? But yeah, yeah, I, I just think I I just think it, it you know to have somebody there available to like a change of pace, a, a late sub or something like that, just to have them there. That's a comfort that we didn't have literally on Tuesday. And now we could have with the signing of Almiron. So that's why I said it's, it's an interesting move. Um, yeah. You could really we'll kind of take advantage of finally having an option, like an actual, like you, like Rafa actually would have to make a choice, which is interesting. Yeah. Well, you could argue us to make a choice now. Yeah. We still have Kennedy as well. Like, it's not like – I think the issue is I – think, I think more people have been caught up in, like, Jacob Murphy's played well the past couple of weeks, and I think that's, like, played into a factor as well because, like, like, the depth is there. Like, we do have wingers. It's just, like, yeah. none of them have played particularly well. So it's, like, yes, we lost Jacob Murphy, but it's, like, was there was Jacob Murphy that much better than any of our other winger options? Because no, I every would just, single one of them has ups and downs. Like I would I just know. rather have the body there than have no one there. And we kind of had no like Rafa didn't have a choice; he had to play them. But now he's like, okay, who, but he had to play. Who, them Kennedy was gone two games. Well, I mean, do you think do you think Murphy's still getting as much playing time if Kennedy was healthy all those games? I mean, it could be. I mean, it depends on how they're playing in practice too. That's fair. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. it absolutely could. You could have – I mean, Murphy could have jumped Kennedy. I mean, what has Kennedy done all season? Murphy's had That's good true. games. That's true. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, – for me, I thought it was more of like a signaling that Isaiah Perez – because Rafa's obsessed with Isaiah Perez. I think it, for yeah, me it was more yeah. of a signal of Isaiah Perez. Well, Isaiah watches his kids, so. And yeah, yeah. There's, they, they have a weird relationship. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Akraf Lazar and Rolando Aarons to Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, good riddance, I guess. It was weird because, I mean, I thought it was, like, fair play to Lee Charnley. This is probably one of his best windows in terms of outgoings because it was like these were two people who were pretty much impossible to move. Um, Like, Rolando Aarons, like, just, it would, whether it be injury issues or uh, wage, it was just, like, almost impossible to get him to a club. And then uh, Akraf Lazar... Uh, just impossible for him to him to like get past the U23s. So I mean, good good riddance, uh, especially because I think for them it's a wake up call. Like, hey, like we're you don't really have a future here. So like, start looking at other options. Like, talk to your agent. Maybe go to a different league. Yeah, um, for me, yeah, it's it's similar. Like, uh, I'll say, fall from grace. <laughs> both like both players were once supposed to be hot prospects and uh i think this is probably their last shot right here yeah uh, but they were prospects that's yeah. the thing yeah 
It's kind of like that's how I see Bereka. It's like I mean, R- Rolando was a U twenty England U twenty one player. I mean, he was yeah. really promising. He just, I mean, man, that's just so unfortunate, and it happens. It's yeah, it just happens. Adam uh, Armstrong, Freddie Woodman, yeah, yep. same thing. But anyway, uh, Callum Roberts to Colchester. I mean, good for him. Yeah, I, I, I wrote an article about it on the website. It was, it was published this morning when it was announced. I don't like it as much. I mean, you have a guy who's sitting on the bench of the first team, been training with the first team, and dominating U23s, and last year was on loan with the Scottish Premiership side in Kilmarnock, and then you're going to send him to League Two? I yeah, think I mean, that's, I, that's yeah. a low bar for him. I mean, he should dominate this league. And Colchester's in. I think I, when I wrote it, I think I put there in eighth place, um, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly in, in the table. I, I mean, I hope he dominates. If he doesn't, it's really bad. But my biggest concern, I will say, is his contract expires at the end of the season. Interesting. I, and I really don't want to see him go. I've really liked Callum. Yeah, and I, I wonder if this was also a. Uh, I don't um, see that. Uh, like the loan fee helped cover a different, you know. A yeah. different loan fee. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, because it just, like, like because, I mean, I didn't really know that much about Callum's loan, but it doesn't really make that much sense to loan him out to, like, worse team, uh, well, not a worse team, a, a worse team when it's, like, like, even though, if, even if he's not getting playing time here, it just doesn't make sense to loan him to just such worse competition that's arguably the same level as U23s. So, I don't know. I think that was, like, we should we can get money from this loan yeah. fee to cover other loan fees, you know? Yep. And I know uh, West Brom paid a hundred percent of Jacob Murphy's fee or salary. They're paying That's all good. of it. Um, next one is Joseph Yarny to Chesterfield. I, like you could have said that and I wouldn't even have known. <laughs> uh, Joseph Yarny is a center back. He was on loan for the first half of the year with Morecambe and uh, it was a tough one for him. He started pretty much every match, played 90 pretty much every match. But Morgram's just uh, just really struggling side. I mean, I think they're at the bottom of League 2. So it was really tough spell. They called him back and sent him back out to Chesterfield, who's a lot better in League 2. So it's going to be interesting to see it. He's another concern. I don't know. I'm not sold on him yet, but his contract does also expire at the end of the season. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to him. Yeah. Um, and so that's all of our loans and the last update and I'll just mention it and get your thoughts on it and then we'll get into city. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. So Rondon, there was some news today about Rondon and about what Newcastle should do or what they were thinking of. So the, the interesting part for me, and I, I think it's something that's definitely debatable here is so you, you had a few options with Rondon when so when Newcastle was sending Jacob Murphy on loan to West Brom, there was also like the express and the star newspaper reported that there was an attempt to tie in the Murphy loan to an extension of Rondon's current loan at Newcastle. So and it eventually broke down and Newcastle's like, okay, fine. If you want Murphy, you have to pay hundred percent of his salary. And West Brom was like, yes. So they were trying to essentially make Rondon a two year loan which in turn, that two-year loan would then be, uh, go towards the expire at the end of his contract. And then Newcastle could restructure a new contract with the player and not pay a full transfer fee. 
but but now what it seems is they either have to work out another loan or buy him permanently. I just wanted to see what your thoughts are on all of that. I think we could both agree that we want to keep him. Yeah, no, we obviously want to keep him, but that was like that was kind of just this is what happens in Newcastle when you don't pay his initial like buyout clause last summer. Yeah. Obviously he's an important player. Um there was someone who I think Chris Holt put this out that he's started in every single win we've had this season, um, Premier League win at least. Um, so it's so he's obviously an important player, um, and it's funny that Newcastle basically tried to essentially screw over West Brom, and like, like obviously West Brom saw through that. Like, why would we extend him another year and like have the option of him walking away for free? That just like doesn't make sense if you're West Brom. But I, I did think it was interesting. Um, just and this is kind of off the off the path, but the amount of movement West Brom had, it was just kind of telling that like, I think they just now realized that like, Hey, we should probably start trying to contend for automatic promotion from the championship. Cause it, cause right now they're in there. Are they even in a playoff place? I think they're in fifth right now. Um, uh, yeah. They're, they're in a playoff place currently. Yeah. So it's like, it's interesting to see how many people they brought in to, you know, strengthen their team. But yeah, yeah, it was weird. It was a weird, like, update because especially the way it was being advertised everyone was like we have newcastle have a mystery target and <laughs> it was so dumb and it was just for that and i saw and i was like there's no way this happens because it makes no sense for west brom um it's just like newcastle trying to screw them over but yeah it was weird yeah. yeah um yeah we obviously want him to to stay on i hope it gets worked out eventually um uh, but we'll stay tuned for that for now i mean he's our striker for the rest of the season so uh, we can definitely count on that, and I think that is great for us. So let's get into an amazing match. We beat Man City. It yeah, happened. So if I go into this before, I said, we'll, we will give up a goal in the first 25 seconds and then win against Manchester City. Would you say that, like, that is impossible? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I would. I mean, I think no one was expecting a win in the first place. And it was funny because everyone was so happy on Twitter because the Almiron thing. And then, of course, the goal happens and then everyone's depressed again. But I just thought it was funny because, I mean, we all had that as a loss. Like, my article preview, and I made fun of myself in the review for this. My article preview is titled Newcastle versus Manchester City, a calculated loss. Because it was like, we're going <laughs> to lose, but let's try not to lose by more than two goals. So it was, yeah. It, what a what a shocking Tuesday that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we defeated Manchester City second in the table, two to one. Um, so we'll start it off with our three words. Hey, con- kudos to y'all. This is the biggest three words we've ever had. So I appreciate that. Uh, just giving us more and more uh, content to read out. So let's go through your three words of what you thought the match was. There's still some of you weirdos out there. That I love uh, <laughs> the first one from JD at that dude JD. Uh, he said, "Wife left me." Uh, I, I guess for Richie, maybe. <laughs> yeah, um, Don responded to that tweet. Uh, what the actual or what the you know f word? Um, Tune Army Edmonton represent Tune Army. I hope you guys are going to the uh, meet up. I heard some some Canada groups are planning to attend. So hope you yeah. guys go. Hey, um, hey. <laughs> sorry to be those Americans that do that, but 
that's that's what we're here for. Uh, they say a pleasant surprise. Gotta love that. Uh, definitely was for me. London is blue podcast. Uh oh. Yeah. They said, "What have you done?" <laughs> you're welcome. Um, is what they should. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. They should they, say. Well, they, then they screwed they it up very much. Yeah, but then they lost. Or yeah. They, yeah. Uh, Trevor coming in strong with IOC still shite. Staying oh, on man. brand. True. Um, Gav four eight five in UFC uh, said something that I'm not going to say. And you know, I honestly like I have to give you respect, Gav four eight five in UFC, because when I like I saw you post what you posted, and like I can't say that on the podcast. Um, but then I I clicked on your. Tw- Twitter and I saw that you live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I was like, "Of course, of course." Yeah. The guy from Philadelphia put, posts posts the message that I literally cannot read because that's too explicit for our family friendly podcast. Yeah. Um. So, way to keep Philly strong there. Love it. Um. One lost muffin. What's up? Posts a great picture of Rafa with hearts everywhere and said, "One more season." I we can only hope. David Campbell, away the lads. Yes, sir. Lagaza Ladra said, what a day. Um, Relentlessly, Jeff said, wait, what? How? (laughs) Sheila Hood, miracles do happen. Yes, they do. Mm. Mr. Oh, man. Mr. Diogenes? Diogenes? Maybe. I'm sorry. In advance and in the past. Um, Hell froze over. (laughs) Yes. Accurate. Domin AZ said, absolute mad lads. That's a former uh, staff writer right there. Oh. Dominic. Dominic oh, Dominic? Oh, yeah. what's up, man? Yeah. Nice for you to, to jump in. That was yeah. cool. I nice. think he's full-time focusing on, like, the Phoenix USL team. He's got, like, Phoenix a Phoenix Rising? Yeah, Phoenix Rising, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, glad to see you back here, Dominic. Um, that's awesome. Keep, keep, keep giving keep, us those three words. Keep doing it, yeah. Yeah, keep doing it. Justin said almost died almost period died period refreshing um that was a bit extreme <laughs> yeah uh caleb said chaos on time side for sure thanks caleb and then jose figueroa said the almiron effect that was foreshadowing yeah jose yep. what's up man uh, yeah matthew i know we'll be seeing him in denver uh, rafa's magic touch and then post a gif of him unveiling his name as Liverpool's manager. Yeah. Um, Adam Which Tate. Top 10 gif of all time. Yeah. It really, honestly, it really might be. It's actually really funny. Like, yeah. every time I see it, I laugh. But anyway. Yeah. Um, Adam Tate said, this effing club. Uh, absolutely. I feel that 1 million percent. Hendy says, get Ashley out. I also yeah, completely good, agree. Good way to stay on brand. Yeah, I love it. And then Ian Robinson stays on brand also. F off Ashley. Yeah. I love it. I, yeah. I love it, guys. Keep up that. We're going to be doing that for every match. You will get that as soon as the Spurs match is over with as well. So let's get into this, Elijah. What do you say? Yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the side of it. We are going to talk about how Newcastle United defeated Manchester City in a football match on a pitch in England in official competition. Yes. And it's not, and it's not 1993. I, yeah. yeah. I'm like trying to make it, make it, make myself believe that it's a real thing <laughs> because it still might not be, but oh, wait, did you see, I don't know if they are, are we doing the uh, things that uh, 
because I feel like we definitely glossed over this things that didn't exist when uh we uh when Newcastle last broke their transfer record. Yeah, let's 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 put that in at the end. Is that okay? Because because yeah. there was one that was Man City related. That just oh like, my um, gosh, yes. Um, we'll definitely add that. That was that was amazing. I retweeted yeah. that one. All right, so so Man City. So uh, starting lineup came out kind of what we would expect from Newcastle actually so, got it completely accurate. Both of them. So yeah. shout out to me. Yeah. I was going to mention that you pretty much nailed this one. Um, so it's Dubrovka, Cher, Lascelles, um, Rondon, Richie, Hayden, Perez, Lejeune, Yedlin, Atsu, Longstaff. That's the full starting lineup for Newcastle. Um, Elijah, what do you think? Obviously you, you were like, I, I was right. I told you so. What do you think uh, about how we kind of lined up, how we played? All that, I or, honestly like, just it was. Uh, let's just talk about the starting lineup because our game plan went completely out the window in the first twenty-five seconds. Yeah, I would say the starting lineup. I thought I genuinely was like Newcastle could possibly get a clean sheet because of how well that back line has been playing. I was like, they actually defend pretty well, and Longstaff tracks back. Hayden's looked pretty good. Like. If they bunker down, there's a possibility that Newcastle could walk away with like a nil-nil draw or like a one-nothing loss. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Because I think Lejeune is just like such an underrated defender. Shares stepped it up. And I mean, Lascelles has been mad, but like he's come up in big moments and he, he played well, I guess. This- you no, know, I, I don't think Lascelles has been as bad as people say. I think I think people are a little over dramatic on how Oh, bad definitely. he's been because but, he was so good last season. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was talking about this earlier. With, yeah, like, I, I completely it. agree with that. Um, I think there there is a drop off. Yeah, but I don't think he's our worst center back. All of a sudden, oh, I, you yeah, know, I do think I don't think he's our best center back. I'll say that. But I mean, yeah, he he's a physical player, and sometimes that's needed. And and yeah, especially for go. their small front line. Yeah, and he's going to go for some things and be aggressive at times where like most center backs wouldn't, and he's going to risk cards and he's going to maybe even risk pens here or there. And all and it's not an or, but it's an end that goes with it. And he's going to make plays, yeah. so it's like you know, you kind of take what you can with it all because like, I mean, at the end of the day, like there's going to be times where you hate him. There's going to be times that you love him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so starting off, it did not go well for Newcastle. So is 20, I had 23 seconds. Do you know what actually was? I think it was 25. I think it was 24 actually. 24. What they said on the broadcast. They, they like were so excited to get the, uh, the number. They're like, we're hearing this. We're getting the official, we're getting the official time from the referees. It is in fact 24 seconds. Fastest <laughs> Premier League goal. And I was like, you guys are really excited for this. And they got the confirmation like in the third minute. So it was just so weird because uh, nothing was going on. And they're just like, Justin, we got the confirmation. 24 seconds. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, cool. So, it, it, and that, so as soon as kickoff started, or even before kickoff started, the anti-Ashley chants were in full blast. And we're going we're gonna to talk about this because obviously we, we talked – maybe as much about the protests as we did the match on the preview, but yeah. it was immediate anti-Ashley chance going in. And then literally 24 seconds later, it was absolutely awful from Newcastle. Uh, Sterling crossed it in and it deflected to the back post. Dubrovka came out for it and Silva slid it slides and directed it right into the penalty area. And it was Aguero just poked it. Um, and it was completely, I mean, we were all over the place. We had no, like, I don't even know what anybody was doing. Dubrovka made a mistake, 
And, you know, man, that's what good teams do. They capitalize on that stuff. And it was immediately one nothing, which had me, I was like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> and, like, at this point, the news of Almiron was just breaking. Like, it, it seemed like it was going to happen. So we knew, like, Almiron was coming to Newcastle, and it only took 24 seconds for Man City to score. And, and, and I was the like, oh, thing, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be 5-0. <laughs> and the Almiron thing happened, like, far enough in advance that, like, there was, like, a lot of – because this was – this is a. There was a lot of Atlanta United fans watching this match as well. Yeah, so it seemed yeah, like yeah. Everyone, there was way more eyes on on this match than like than I had friends who were texting me that were like who are Atlanta United fans, season ticket holders that were like, oh, watching the match today. Hope you guys do well against Man City. And like some of them were realistic and were like, oh, it's gonna be a loss. But some of them were like talking crap to City fans and just like. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I've been I've been talking mess to my my uh, my Man City fans. Like, why would you do that? You know, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> we're seventeenth yeah. at the moment. Like, I I will say I honestly thought it was going to be five five nothing after this. I think we we all did. Yeah, and uh, so Newcastle. I don't know what Rafa did here, but honestly, like, I, I mean, without picking him as the man of the match because I feel like it's cheating. Rafa is man of the match in this. I mean, yeah. unbelievable. Like, this is why. I'm just I'm just amazed every time he does something like this. We have a, a squad totaled at 40 mil, and they have four or five players in their starting lineup that are that were bought for over 40 mil. Like they're a, they're an over 500 million pound club, and we beat them. It's just amazing what he can do with so little. And uh, so we we started with a back five: is Yedlin and Richie. Um, and, and I have to say they started pushing immediately. Like we didn't bunker Yedlin Richie were playing up the field. Um, and everything else was in line as you would expect. And as we said, um, Man City fans were pretty loud, obviously, but, um, the first chance, the one that I wrote down, I guess it wasn't really much of a chance, but at least I'll, I'll talk about it. Um, so it was Lejeune. Uh, put the ball pretty high in the air, and Silva kind of misplaced his header towards Danilo. And Perez actually managed to steal possession from there, which kudos. Like, that was a good play by him, yeah. um, just staying on it. So he advanced into the area, and he lasts a shot just across the face of goal. And I was like, oh, man, like, you got to have that. Like, that was Classic a big play. Like, yeah, yeah, it really was. Like, just you had a great opportunity. You, it was a perfect back post goal opportunity. And it just didn't come through, so I that that's a that's a bummer. But like right there, I was like, man, we're pushing. We just had a chance. This could be something really big. And then it was Perez again. Twenty second minute, um, Perez sprinted down the right, and Yedlin Yedlin got the possession and got it to Perez. Um, Perez centered it to Rondon, who tried to like fake a touch, which allowed the ball to pass him and go to Atsu and. Like I said, Atsu, or like we've said, Atsu has almost scored more times than any other player in Premier League history. He actually <laughs> has – he probably has more almost goals than <laughs> goals. Yeah. I, I don't – I mean, we've been saying he's due for how long? <laughs> like, since last season. Yeah. I, it's, like, I mean, on the podcast since the very beginning, but as like a as – a, as, a, as a group of friends since last season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and that's really all I had for the first half, and I, I – Pulled up some things on Twitter, and I'm sorry because I don't remember who said them. I didn't write that down. I should have. But some words that I kind of put together is like, 
Newcastle responded admirably. Admirably. Oh my god, I can't say it. Um, to I mean, it was a disaster start, and they they looked decent on the counter. Um, you know, they lost their rhythm in attack like they usually do, but the defense was looking good, and we weren't shying away from anything. So I was completely happy being down one nothing there, and I thought I was like somewhat optimistic. Well, how did you feel? Yeah, I was optimistic. I, I would say the word I'd use is composed. I think. Okay, yeah, I, I, I like think, that word. And yeah. I think what you were saying, like Rafa did something. I think what Rafa did was, I think he reminded them that, like, even if we are down early, that doesn't mean that we're out of the match. Because if you look at the last Man City match we had we had against them, uh, <laughs> we were we were also down early, not as early, obviously, but we were down a goal in nine minutes, and then we came back and tied it. So it's yeah. like, like it doesn't mean like you know just because we're down doesn't mean that we're out of the match. So I think that they knew that, and I think the players immediately recognized their own mistakes, and they they played well as a unit. Like moving that back line was solid. The 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 front the four in front of them were great, and Ronda was working his butt off the whole whole match. So yeah, I mean I thought they looked composed. I think that would be the word I used. Yeah. Um. So second second half started up, down one nothing, and. You know, it 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 was good. <laughs> yeah, we were down. And- um, it it ended up being very good for us. So Newcastle, it, you know, it was a match dominated by Man City, um, and it was just past the hour mark where the most beautiful thing happened. I could tell on the TV that the level of noise inside St James's Park, like when Rondon scored this goal, was. It's got to be the loudest it might have been all season. Um, we ha- we got the ball into the box, and City just failed to deal with it. And um, it was from Richie. Richie put it in. And it, and it got up into the air after Hayden kind of nodded it back in, dropped eight yards out, and then Rondon managed a little swivel and, like, shot past Ederson. And, like, the most – the scariest part was Atsu, like, almost, like – blocked Rondon from scoring. <laughs> yeah. Like, Atsu almost got an almost goal again. <laughs> again. But Rondon actually, like, Rondon, I don't even know how your foot, how your leg can bend that way. And he, like, got, like, he must have kicked Atsu's ribcage, too. He had to have, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Atsu was right there, and Rondon kind of, like, I don't know. It was, what a goal. Rondon, again, our Venezuelan prince. The goat, and he's got another South American to play with. So yeah, um, so that immediately changes things completely. Um, the fans start chanting Rafa's name. Rafa's standing up the whole set, like this whole point forward, and it was literally it was ten minutes after that where Newcastle go on the counter, and it was my man Sean Longstaff. Yeah. Oh my Shut gosh. Up. So we tried to uh, oh, low key veteran move. Just oh my gosh, such a veteran. Move. I I geeked out. So let me let me put this in in a little perspective from my point of view. So this is a Tuesday. I'm at work, and when this match is playing, it started at noon on a Tuesday for me in Pacific time in Vegas, and I was in a meeting during this point in the 75th minute, and I immediately see an update says penalty to Newcastle. And I get up from the meeting. I didn't, I didn't even say a word. I got up and I went to the bathroom and I started streaming from my phone. And then I saw the replay 
of Longstaff absolutely picking Fernandinho. He was like trying to take an, an inside turn toward his goal, which is like, what the hell are you doing, Fernandinho? And Longstaff picks him off, and Fernandinho takes him down. And it was it was a surefire fire penalty. I was so happy. And then Matt Ritchie steps up. Oh no, timeout. No, you didn't talk about Ederson trying to ice the kicker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, no, you you do this. You do this one. That was just I, Ederson just just like he just like pretended he was injured for like five or six minutes, and no one really knew what was the purpose. And the only thing I could think of was like in the NFL. Before, like, someone, a kicker has a clutch kick at the end of the game, you call a timeout, make them think about it. And, like, I think that's what Ederson was trying to do because it was just, like, he was clearly not injured. Like, not really affected that much by what was going on. Um, and then just, like, laid there injured for, like, six minutes. <laughs> while, like, and, everyone's just, and everyone's just, like, what? Like, there's no VAR. Like, we're just watching the replay. And, like, we had to just endure, like, five minutes of the commentators literally just going, that was a penalty. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's a penalty. What do you think? Is that a penalty? Yeah, that was a penalty. Yeah. There's nothing. There was literally nothing to talk about. And Ederson's just sitting there like getting treatment, and then he gets up, and then, and then Matt Ritchie smashes the ball. I think that so, was louder than the Rondon goal. Oh yeah, yeah. I was going to mention that too. Smashes the ball the right hand corner of the net. Ederson actually guessed right, but he dove in the air, and the ball hit his lower rib cage. Or so if he's diving to the he would have to be diving to the left. So it hits his left rib cage and bounces underneath. He can't save it. Two to one. Newcastle United with 15 minutes to go. Richie absolutely assaults a corner flag. And St. James's Park is in a noise deafening frenzy. Yeah. And, and I'm freaking out. <laughs> Everyone's freaking out. Yep. Um it, uh, Atsu came off to, to Kennedy. Atsu got a standing ovation there. Yeah. And Keo came on. That's when I thought the the tie would come into play. <laughs> um, we were all thinking that. And then shortly after, I mean, Newcastle held, held on, and they did so convincingly, I would say. Um, it was an amazing second-half performance for Newcastle United. It's an amazing result. It's a massive day for Newcastle because, like we mentioned, not only did we beat City, but Almiron – the news came through. It was pretty much confirmed that he was signing with us. Yeah. And by the way, he, shout out to Doug Roberson. That guy, he yeah. admittedly literally will not tweet out anything or write an article until it's – he's never concerned about being first. He's always concerned about being accurate. So, like, that's when I knew and Greg knew that – because we, we know we're, we're in Atlanta. Well, you were, RIP. But, like, we know Doug is he, – he's, he's legit. Like, yeah. no messing around with Doug. He yeah. doesn't get burned. Anyway, no, he he is the ITK of Atlanta United. Yeah, that's that's what he. I mean, he is like if you're going for anybody for confirmation, that's the person you pick. So yeah, um, and we defeated. We came from behind to defeat the Premier League champions. Uh, we moved up to 14th in the table, five clear of the drop zone. It was an amazing day. Players were embracing on the pitch. Fans were going nuts. And this is what I want to kind of get into before I get into quotes, stats, best players type thing is, you know, it's kind of like a, a Mike Ashley wins again scenario in a way. Right. Because, you know, people fall him for his lies and his press conferences and, and all the things that he's done to where he's, I mean, protests have literally stopped because of things he said. 
and this was supposed to be a massive day of protest, and it definitely started that. But then we beat the Premier League champions, and the sit-in after was almost vacant. I mean, there was – I don't even know if there was 100 people there afterwards. I mean, yeah. and, it's, and it's the thing. If we would have lost to City – You could there, argue even if we would have drew. Yeah, you could argue it. Just because um, I, I think that a lot of people didn't participate because the first thing you want to do with a win like yeah. this is go out and drink. Oh, my gosh. It became- like, I had, like, three beers after that, and I I didn't even leave. I just opened my fridge. I just yeah. felt like it was it was calling me. The yeah. beer was calling me. So, yeah, I, I don't know. You could argue if there was a draw. But, yeah, as you were saying. Uh, no, it, uh, I completely agree. It's like it's just – like it's almost like man how does he keep getting away with this like but it's <laughs> but it's also it yeah, also is a loss and it. stuff worked in his favor but also it's kind of funny he he's like all right well i'm going to break the transfer record for for rafa and then of course we beat like arguably one of the best teams in europe <laughs> without this this record breaking signing that rafa's clamored for so it's <laughs> like it's kind of like it was like interesting because i think that although the protests weren't as effective like and there were some people who were holding up the signs it wasn't as massive as as you know it like i think people wanted it to be yeah um but you know it also it like i said i think it's so hard to organize protests especially if you're separate groups um because you not only have to get people behind you on social media but you have to get people behind you in the community and i think that that's what both protest groups lack is that they have a decent social media presence, but like they keep assuming that like because people on social media agree with what we're doing, like other people are going to agree with what we're doing and are going to participate. When it's like there's probably a, like half of that stadium who's older and probably wants the same things, but they're not on social media. They're not aware that these protests are going on, so like they're not going to participate because they don't know. And so I think that's the difference between like this and the Ashley Out movement. The Ashley Out movement was like in the community and i think more people knew about it because social media wasn't as big so it was just interesting but um i i do think a statement was made like the entire time uh like even when we were up there was i mean and definitely the mood shifted a little bit but there was still a lot of anti-ashley chants um like and i think they were the loudest i've heard them all season um like i heard words clearly that i didn't even realize were in certain chance i was like oh i bet oh this is not this is they should try to censor this can they do that um <laughs> like so i i do think it was interesting because the protests weren't you know they didn't go as planned but i still think that the national media watching of the people the national audience got an understanding of how things were going at newcastle and even before then fair play to like some of the pundits they still were criticizing mike ashley they're like yes they've made a signing but it's taken him 14 years to make a signing of this of this size and newcastle should be doing better so it was weird because the protests didn't go as we as thought but they still kind of achieved their goal of like just awareness and kind of embarrassing mike ashley on tv yeah but then again, he kind of still won because Newcastle won. Exactly. It's like it's, he still it's, keeps it's, coming out clean um, with all of our attempts. But, I mean, it is still kind of within our short-term benefit. Obviously, long-term, we want better. But um, so, so some quotes. Rafa led with an absolute banger to start the press conference. He said, <laughs> I think you're going to like this, Elijah, if you haven't heard it already. 
He said, we had a game plan. It was to not concede a goal in the first minute. <laughs> oh, that that's was good. a great quote by Rafa. That's, good. that's a good quote. Um, he said, the reaction of the players were important. He said, at halftime to stay in the game, the fans appreciate how we played and the way we won against a very good team. We stuck with our game plan. So that kind of confirms, like, you know, he, he said, don't worry about it. Like, keep doing what we planned throughout. He also said, we were good enough to score two goals and lucky enough not to concede. Overall, we needed to win one of these games. I think they were surprised they scored so early and maybe they had more confidence that they could win. There's pressure, and I think that was another factor. A draw wasn't enough for them. I think they were defending in a way that wasn't easy for them. We were trying to manage the situation, so I give massive credit to the players. It was a great effort from everyone, and to win against a team as good as Manchester City, they have everything. So that was really cool. And one thing we didn't get to mention on the last podcast was because it happened after our recording. Um, there was reports that Rafa basically said he was going to leave um, because if they don't sign any players, and Rafa did address that. He said, what I was trying to say is that you never know what can happen, but I never said I will leave. And I never said that I, if they don't sign players that I will leave. I didn't say that. I said I'm a professional and I have my principles and I will do my job until the last minute. So that's just him kind of referencing that quote. Um, so yeah. really, cool, really cool stuff, man. I can't believe we won still. Yeah, um, and, and to that, I think Brafa brought, brought up a really good point. And I think that was something cool to see was that like, like throughout the game, you could tell how frustrated Man City were because they knew how important three points were. Yeah. And you could tell how like – how like like new I feel like Newcastle for the first time in a while there was no pressure for them to 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 win, so they they played better. Like if that makes sense. Like I think Cardiff like yes they played really well, but it's like in these other matches where it's like these like six pointers or you know they're playing teams you know somewhat near them. It's like you can tell that there's still a little bit of pressure, especially when we're on these these runs of just like straight losses like the players put a little bit of pressure on themselves to perform and this was just like all right well yeah like this is man city i don't think anyone's expecting us to win and they outperformed i think what they even thought they were going to be able to do so that was cool to see as well yeah um so let's get in do you have any stats that you have sometimes you have a nice nice stat thrown in do you have any stats stats for this one i think it's one you've or you're going to mention about matt ritchie yeah, well, you go ahead and mention it. Uh, that would be his sixth straight uh, penalty make. Yeah. So, good for him. Undefeated. And what was interesting was, uh, by the way, shout out to One Lost Muffin. Uh, Kyle is his yeah. real name. Uh, his first article just went live. Um, as you guys know, frequent questionnaire on the podcast. Uh, he wrote he wrote about this. But he showed the actual, like, not heat map, but shot chart. It was kind of interesting because – there, he, it's not like Matt Ritchie had a favored area where he was converting these. Um, it it was kind of spread pretty evenly. So that was just interesting to see. Yeah, it's hard to scout. I love yeah. that. Yeah, so shout out to Kyle. Go check out that article at cominghomenewcastle.com. Um, it's, it's pretty cool, kind of into the mind of Matt Ritchie and how he hasn't missed a pen. <laughs> so pretty awesome. So here we go with some stats. You ready? Yes. Since a one nothing home win, in September of 2005, Newcastle United had failed to beat Manchester City in all 22 Premier League meetings, losing 19 and drawing three. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, oh, I know that stat. Until because, <laughs> Tuesday night, baby. Yeah, yeah because 
I think some people saw this because I tweeted, I quote tweeted them. They they tweeted a stupid video, like a highlight, like a montage video, hype video, like 22 unbeaten. Can we make it 23? And I quote tweeted this, and I was like, this is literally what you're not supposed to do with a streak. It's just a joke because I still expected us to lose. But then it actually was karma. And then, like, they just got attacked got by the Newcastle fan base. Just RIP their mentions. Uh, gone but not forgotten. Press F to pay respects. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, another stats. Newcastle came from behind to win in the Premier League for the first time this season. The last time they did that was in April of last year where they did that against Arsenal. Um, last time we trailed at half before – coming back to win. So the last time we were down at halftime and then came back to win that match at home in the Premier League was December of 2006. Hashtag, whoa. Yeah. Uh, Salman Rondon scored his sixth Premier League goal the seventh, uh, of the season, seventh in all competitions. Um, just two of those were at home before the match. Um, the brace against Burmouth was the only two goals he scored in Newcastle, but obviously we can add one to that. Matt Ritchie also doubled his goal tally for the season. Um, he also had a penalty against Blackburn. His last Premier League goal was a game we already mentioned, April 2018 against Arsenal. Um, their t- city's 24-second goal was the quickest goal in any Premier League match so far this season. And it was also the fastest goal at St. James's Park since Alan Shearer netted against Manchester City in January of 03. Um, and they lost their fo- City lost their fourth league game of the season and dropped their eight-game winning streak in all competitions. Uh, in those eight-game winning streaks, City scored 33 times and conceded just twice. Jeez. Yeah. Yep. So they already have more points dropped than their title-winning campaign last year. Um, so... Interesting stuff there. So let's get to 538. So remember, 538 gave us a 9% chance to win. Yeah, those guys. Screw those guys. <laughs> screw, screw your computers. It shows. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> so our relegation percentage dropped 10% with that win. So we're down to 10% chance of getting relegated. So really good numbers there. Um, they're expecting us to finish at 40 points. Uh, the clubs that are expected to finish behind us are just Burnley, Cardiff, Fulham, and Huddersfield. So they are they are saying we're, we'll still finish behind Brighton and Southampton at 41 points. But either way, that leaves us four points clear of relegation. Sorry, they have us – oh, man. They have us eight points clear of relegation is oh, what they're rest. expecting to finish. Season. So, um, cool stuff from there. So let's look at the worst player for Newcastle United if you – dare to even pick one honestly yeah I, I really don't have one i think i think christian Asu got a lot of stick in the beginning for doing things that it was kind of funny because it was like these are the things that you know newcastle fans wanted he was trying to be ambitious going forward he was he was you know he was playing to his strengths like i think people forgot that he's a guy who is plays with a little bit of flair and that was kind of annoying some fans but i thought he was fine i thought you know, some of the stuff he did, yeah, it didn't work out, but at least he was trying, which is something that, like, Newcastle really hadn't done against top six teams when we're bunkering down like that. But I think everyone played 
outstandingly well. Um, I really didn't think that there was like a player that was actually, you know, bad per se. Um, yeah. And so I don't know. I don't really have a worse player. Sorry. Um, mine's going to be Perez. And it's like, I, I gave him kudos for two, two instances in the match where, you know, a chance came out of it, but you know, still in a match where we, you know, did have some counter opportunities. He had no key passes. He managed one shot and missed it, and it was a good chance. Just on brand. The guy's not even playing as a number ten this match. Yeah, he was a right right mid, and <laughs> but he misses misses shot. Yeah, um, I just you know, lo- gotta it, love the, had, the consistency. He had a decent passing day. Like he completed eighty percent of his passes, which is higher than normal. But he wasn't on the ball much, and like on a on a day where we were actually having some success countering to to see him not even get a key pass out of it is disconcerting. That's fair. Um, and, and I'm not saying he had an awful day. He's just my worst player. And, yeah, it's a brand thing. So what? Like, <laughs> screw it. Like, it is what it is. He got a yellow, Imagine, too. I mean, screw it. I bet there's going to be some – I, I hope you get some Atlanta United fans who just don't understand why. They're like, oh, you guys won, and there's a worse player, and it's this Iose Perez guy. Like, why yeah. do you guys? Is there something? Is there something we're missing? Yeah, you'll probably never ever really hear about it because hopefully Almeron's playing the number ten. So yeah, and you know what? Maybe I, I we we can go down a rabbit hole with this, Elijah. I know you and I can, but maybe a signing of Almeron really enhances skill sets of Perez, and Perez becomes a different player. I, mean, I just said that earlier. I yeah, I, I think that he's going to be a winger. I really well, and yeah. I think he's a better winger, and I think that he's going to have success there. And I do think the skill sets of Amron um, will help him with that, especially because I think the I way – yeah, just – I don't know. I don't know. I, I think the see, way I, I disagree with, with he's better as a winger because I, he can't stay in position to save his life. And you true. need to do that as a winger. But, but maybe, like I said, maybe this – does it? I don't know. And I'm a hater. I know I'm a hater. I'm a self-admitted hater of Iosi Perez, so that's fine. Or um, I mean, or we could somehow. And I I don't see this happening, but Iosi Perez could be a good striker again. I don't see it happening, but I wouldn't be shocked if Rafa finds out that like Iosi, uh, I don't even know you want to put whoever you want out wide and Almiron are just better at scoring on counters because of the pace than, you know, you know, trying to play service in the Rondon. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's possible. But, I mean, even then, I'd rather have Muto up there than Perez, but that's a different story. Anyway. Yeah. And I also want to say, so, initially, like, 24 seconds into the match, DeAndre Edlin was going to be our worst player. I mean, I kind of yeah. could see that that goal is on him. But he really came back and with a vengeance and really made a difference, I think. And also um, proved a lot of U.S. men's national team DeAndre Yedlin haters wrong yeah. because they got so trigger-happy with how well the U.S. played against Panama's B team. Um, and <laughs> with our like, oh. C team, yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh, we don't even need DeAndre Yedlin. We have a we have right backs. And it was like, oh, trust me, you're going to realize that you need DeAndre Yedlin because he's still the best right back in the U.S. But that's and also, you know, we can go down a rabbit hole about that. <laughs> yeah. So I'll start with my best player. And so I really struggled with this one. Like, really did. Okay. There, was, there was five players that I just could not decide between. So I'm going to do this one because I don't think I've picked him this year. Okay. It's Matt Ritchie. 
Yeah, you haven't picked him. I've picked him, but you haven't. Yeah. Um, and it's not because he scored the winning goal. Um, he like he was everywhere in this. He, I, I believe, no, uh, Rondon actually had the most touches for Newcastle. Richie was second, uh, which is crazy that Rondon had the most touches. And like Rondon seems like a very good choice. So I'll, I'll, I'll say the five. The five that I was deciding between was Longstaff, Cher, Lejeune, Rondon, and Richie. Okay. I think those five were like dynamite good. And yeah. um, I picked Richie because, you know, he had two shots. He had a, a good chance, a shot on target. He had, a, he had some key passes. He was on the ball a lot. He made great decisions. And, he, and on top of that, he scored the winning goal. So, and his, his work rate is like something to admire because like he always like he's so little and his legs turn so fast. He always looks like he's running the hardest. So oh, yeah, he, I just love his. It's his like passion. Sonic. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, he's my best player. That's, that's the one I'm going to pick between those five. Um, great day for him. I mean, awesome. I'm going to go with Rondon. Uh, yeah. Great choice. Yeah. I mean, it, not that hard. Uh, I mean, not only the goal, which that's great, but it, like, these matches just really display why he was so necessary. Um, and you know, a, you know, he led Newcastle in key passes. Yeah, I mean, I'm not yeah. surprised because he he was and aerial to, goals. Uh, like <laughs> being someone who's you know not particularly that mobile, he like his press was bothering Man City's defense like way more than it should have, arguably. And I, I mean, Laporta, Laporte, Laporte, Laporta, Laporte. I don't know Laporte. how to say his name. The port was so frustrated, um, like throughout the entire match. That whole back line was, and Ron because Rondon was just so pesty, and it was just like it's crazy seeing it's it's like the exact opposite with Richie, where it's like it's you can he looks like he's working harder because he's so small, and same with Rondon because he's so big, like him barreling down, like chasing after these like short passes just looks like he's working harder than like everyone else on the pitch, which yeah. is going to be the same thing you guys will notice with Miguel and he's going to look like he's working hard. I mean, and <laughs> they all are, but because he's so like thin, yeah, it's just going to look like he's <laughs> just running. Like he's just going to be so much thinner than everyone else around him. It's going to look like he's running so hard. But yeah, I just think yeah. work rate alone, like Rondon just, even if he didn't score, I'd probably pick him as my best player just because he was so good, um, yeah, you know, I- pressuring Man City. I don't think anybody can argue with you on that. So, and I mean, and before we move on from this, it is like, and I think it 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 goes without saying, Man City probably played one of their worst games this season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like when you lose in Newcastle, it's probably your worst game if you're Man City. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, and it's and it's I mean, and part of it was like Newcastle, part of it was mental, and part of it was just like, you know, maybe you could even argue a little bit of rust from certain players, but um, but yeah, like they, a lot of their guys didn't play to the. To, I, mean, I think the best of their ability. Um, I think there was a few bright spots for them. I think Sterling was pretty good for them. I think Sané. I think their front three was decent, but they also the timing of a lot of their passes was off. I mean, they were there was chances they should have scored three or four times in terms of like you know they had their moments that you would expect Man City to capitalize on at least two or three of those, and they just didn't. And you know they usually punish teams for you know very small mistakes and. And they just didn't. So it, I think if you're a Man City fan, I'd be a little bit more concerned about that uh, rather than like you know the fact that uh, Fabian. Who, who gave away the penalty? Is it I don't Fernandinho? Know. Fernandinho, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's midnight in America. 
everyone <laughs> um that Fernandino gave away a penalty or that you know I don't know that I don't know I just think that it, you know if I'm a Man City fan I'm a little bit concerned with how you know, they look so yeah um so well, let's move to the Premier League table. We mentioned it a little bit. Um, Man City stays in second, but um, they stay on 56 points. Newcastle moves from 17th to 14th. Big jump there. We have, we're at 24, um, but we have three clubs behind us, Crystal Palace, Southampton, and Burnley, all at 23, so one point away. Um, we have – Better goal difference on two of the three. Crystal Palace has has two goals better than us on the goal difference. But we're better than Southampton by four and Burnley by nine. Um, So a good tiebreaker there for us. Above us, we have Brighton two points ahead of us. And then it's a a seven-point gap between us and West Ham for 12th. So um, Brighton has 26 points, so two points ahead of us. So that is the Premier League table. So let's just transition right into it, Elijah. Let's talk about our match against Spurs. You yeah. ready for it? Um, yeah, so this this is going to be an interesting one. I'm excited to, to preview this match with you. So let's, let's start by talking about just briefly going over the last match that we played against them. So Newcastle... Uh, played Spurs. I'm pulling it up right now, so I'm slowly delaying. I apologize for that. And there we go. Uh, first match of the year, we lost two to one, and it was honestly it was a pretty decent game. We both clubs had 15 shots for the match. Uh, Spurs led possession 60-40, so it was we Newcastle created a high number of chances, and we actually stole the ball from. Spurs a lot. Um, Spurs created most of their chances from the flanks. They scored from a set piece. So those type of things are, I think, are still things that we're going to need to watch for. Um, actually, and really shocking, the, the best two players that we had, according to who scored, just rating-wise, is Hasselu and Matt Ritchie. So that's things Rip. have changed. <laughs> yeah. um, Hasselu had the best rating of any player, 7.82. Um, so the, and Kennedy was the third best. So yeah, things and Kieran, Kieran Clark fourth. Oh my mm. gosh. Hosselu had the goal. Um, it was, that's not going to be the case this time. <laughs> the best players for Spurs were Ventagin, Deli Ali and Serge Aurier. Um, so let's, let's get into this match. This is going to be interesting. Elijah, and let me tell you why. We're going to start with injuries first because that's going to be the key. Oh, yeah. I want you to kind of go over what you think is going to happen prediction-wise, lineup-wise, or just style play-wise and lineup-wise, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So, Son returned against Watford, and he scored the goal to tie it at 1-1. Um, he pulled up with a cramp after that, though. So, he's going to be assessed. I still have not heard if he's going to play. So it's something to watch out. That would be massive for us because Son destroys Newcastle. And he pretty much destroys everyone he plays. But that's going to be something to watch. Lucas Mora, Eric Lamella, they both came off the bench. And they're going to battle it out to replace Son. So if he doesn't play, then expect Mora or Lamella to be in the lineup. Um, so Spurs will be without Deli Ali, Harry Kane, and Ben Davies. That's, that's huge for us. Of course. That's, that's huge for us. 
Kyrian Trippier and Eric Dyer may come in for Aria and Harry Winks um, to, to replace because, you know, it was a midweek match and you could see Trippier and Dyer come in. So that could also be something that it could be good or bad. I mean, one or of those not. players could go off because Trippier, we know his set piece skill. So like it could absolutely be devastating to us or it could be something to kind of help. Yeah. So on Newcastle side, we, uh, Still don't really know um, about Paul, Dummett, Shelby, or Diame. Uh, Key, Hasselu, Darlow, Rob Elliott even, they're all out. Um, Muto is still out. Um, well, shout out to Japan. They're in the final of the yeah. Asia Cup. <laughs> yeah, against Qatar. So good yeah. luck. And, and Good luck with that rigged final. Yeah. An interesting fact, the Copa America is – uh, they're having two Asian clubs in the Copa America this year, and Japan and Qatar are the two clubs. So, not a coincidence. Dude, also, they made the final, but pretty cool that they're playing for the final and then um, Copa later. Yeah, the Copa, the Copa America, like dude, Copa America tournament is like I think, and this is just random tangent. One of the best tournaments in the world, yeah, because like I think people love UEFA. And the whole na- the Nations League kind of just shows that like there's a lot of bad teams in Europe as well, but there is not a lot of bad teams in South America. So it is like you look at the groups, and it's like literally one, two, and three are all at the same level in terms of like out of those four, it's like oh geez, I don't actually know who's going to win this group. But anyway, back to back to this Tottenham situation. Yeah. So and one more point is Miguel Almiron still needs his work permit. So him and his agent are actually going to go to Paris. I think they either went – I think they're probably there right around now when we're recording right now. Um, I, don't, I don't know. To, in Paris to, to work on getting that. He will not play. Almiron will not play this weekend. Um, he is not eligible. And Bereka, I think, can, can – I think he is eligible, but eligible, I would but. be shocked if he played. I would. No. I wouldn't be shocked to see if he was on the bench. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So now, but, now you yeah. go. You're up. Um, in terms run. of lineup, I think it's gonna be the exact same lineup. <laughs> like, don't do. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Wait, yeah. time out. Yeah, I guess that's the phrase. Um, I think with this match, it should be interesting because, like, it could go really good or really bad for Newcastle because of how bad Spurs have been playing. Like they had like what two cup exits last week and they almost lost again this past in the midweek match and like some of the key players that people thought would step up um haven't. Like Trippier has been playing terribly, Dyer hasn't been good, and like fans have been calling for like guys like Lucas Mara to, to get in and, and Poch for some reason is just so stubborn. Um it's so I don't know. I don't know if he was trying to prove a point about transfers. I don't know. So it's 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 weird because I don't really know how I, how I feel about this match. Um because I it's like on paper it's one of those where it's kind of like the Man U match where um like this is a team who's in utter despair, but that's also like this is also the type of team to actually like get out of their funk by beating Newcastle. Like from coming from behind and beating Newcastle. That's like exactly how I see this match going. Like not exactly, but I I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it went like that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know you're going to see a very confident Newcastle side who have in their last three matches have lost to Spurs in all three, but they have looked very good against Spurs in all three at the same time in the last three, and um, 
I would say that just on our current form, and then also Spurs haven't been in great form, but they're also two points from Man City. Um, so this is like viewed to them as a must win. They could catch the champions here and keep pace with Liverpool. Um, it's definitely a possibility. So it's going to be an important match for them. You know, the biggest, my biggest concern in this match is just set pieces. I mean, Spurs are clinical and we're shaky. And so the chances of losing this match by giving up a direct free kick or set piece situation is like really concerning to me. I think that Spurs will probably dominate possession in this. They only were 60, 40 last time, but I think they're very vulnerable right now. Also, especially with the injuries. I don't, I, I don't think Lorente Lorente is a fine attacker. I think he's and not great. I, I don't know. I think I think he's fine. I, but I mean, he's not Kane. No, no, definitely so, not. Yeah, but I don't know. But I don't think Lorente. I think Cher can take care of Lorente for yeah. sure. I think the other thing with Tottenham is that I think it's one of those things where they're going to be a team unlike like similarly to what happened to Man City, where it's like, yeah, Newcastle can sit back against these guys. And kind of rely on the fact that like there's not really a guy with these injuries that can play a killer ball or break down Newcastle the way that a De Bruyne could, or the way that a, a Son could, or the way that um what's his face, jeez, Deli Ali or Deli Ali could. So I think that's something to pay attention to as well. Is like if Son's not going to play, um, do they have a guy that is even capable of? of you know really dissecting um a very well put together and very confident a very disciplined that's the other thing is that it's it's easy to break down a back five when it's fulham where it's like yeah they're playing back five because they don't want to concede that many goals but that's not what they're used to playing this is a newcastle team that has mastered somewhat the art of playing against the top six and not conceding goals um so i don't know it's very it's it's going to be an interesting match um i'm coming i want to come into it with with no expectation of a win or loss. Okay. So let's get, let's, why don't we just get right into that? How's that sound? So I'll give you my, my stats for it. Um, So you mentioned, you mentioned one of the stats. So they, they overcame their cup disappointments with a, a pretty late two to one win over Watford. And that put them two points within city. Um, So it's back to back league wins for them. Um, and it's and also back to back wins has boosted Newcastle's chances of survival by ten percent. <laughs> um, but we've also won- failed to win the last three on the road. And I also mentioned the other setup that we've lost our last three against Spurs, but we've looked really good. Um, that being said, the Spurs have won eight of the last ten in the league, and our good form in the late. Uh, good form of late makes me think that this could be a, a really good match. And I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, before I give my prediction, I will just give my 538 match prediction. They're back at it again. Newcastle has a 9% chance to beat Spurs. Oh, um, no. 9% That's chance. To, my prediction. 9%, <laughs> 9% chance to beat Spurs, 20% chance to draw and 71% chance that we lose. And my prediction is Newcastle United will beat Spurs at Wembley two to one with goals from Salomon Rondon and Salomon Rondon. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to go, geez, 
I, I think I also want to go two one. Um, win? I don't. I don't really know who scores. Um, are you saying two one win? Yeah, two one win. Yeah. Oh um, man. Yeah. I, Both I really, of us are predicting. Look! Look how! Look what Man City and Almiron did to us. We're well, so much happier. <laughs> but okay. To be fair, I I saw and I wrote this in the preview I did for Man City that like I think the Tottenham one is the game we're more likely to steal points from because I knew how injured they were like going into this week and how bad and I watched them play and I was like they are not good and they're struggling against teams you know they should be struggling against um so I don't know I I think I'm really more I think it's a little bit more concerning for Tottenham like the amount of injuries they have and the fact that like there hasn't been anyone who's willing who's been willing to step up and and be that guy if anything Tottenham fans are just even more frustrated uh, with the injuries than anything else. And I think it's interesting because these are like not like a week or two knocks. These are like guys are out till March, stuff like that. So it's going to have a big – I think it's going to have a pretty big effect on the table if they can't like get their stuff together, which, you know, is my only worry is that this is the match where they figure things out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so you ready? you ready to move on here? Yeah. Let's get the questions. Let's wrap this bird up. So questions are brought to you by the now must attain Fubo TV. Because if you're like Kyle, one lost muffin and in Idaho and really need to watch Miguel Almiron play for Newcastle United, Fubo TV is the man or not the man, the service for you. <laughs> um, that you can watch, you can stream pretty much any sports around the world. There's so many different channels that they offer. Go check out their website. Um, for people listening in the United States and Canada, that this service is for you. Sorry, England. We're, I'm sure they're getting there. I'm sure that's something that they want to do. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Yeah. Um, I just want to point out Fubo t- TV does not have a gender. Yeah. just They don't have a gender. Yeah, because you said that Fubo TV is the man for you. and. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just making fun of you. That's what I do. Yeah, that's fine. okay. That's that's fine. Let's get to these questions. All right, um, Elijah. I lost the question that we talked about beforehand. Do you have that question? I can pull it up right now if you okay. want to stall real quick. Yeah, I'll stall with some questions. Does that work? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, so, fake Bristol Jordy, what's up, man? Um, he says. Have Newcastle done enough in this window to stay up? You know, this is interesting because I would say if they did nothing this window, I would say yes, they could still they're still going to stay up. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so I think Newcastle have done enough to push for a twelfth place finish, maybe. And and I do want I, yeah, I think so too. And I do want to point out that we beat Man City without like our best. Like you could argue, we beat them without our best players. I, in terms of importance to the squad, I think there is. I mean, as much as I rag on Modiame, in terms of his defensive ability, he's important, and John Joe Shelby is also important. And we beat Man City without both of those guys. So I don't know. Yeah. All and, just and key. <laughs> like yeah. we we were down to li- like like the midfield that Pep Guardiola said. Our whole, their holding midfielders were better than than uh, Man City's. That Long that staff. was a, a combined midfield that cost four million pounds. Yeah, and 
Isaac Hayden was all four million of us. <laughs> like, like, um, so yeah, like it's just, Oh gosh. I don't know. I, I, I like, I think that confidence is, you know, has me in a much better place than before, but even before main city, I didn't really have that big of a fear um, in terms of uh, Newcastle getting relegated, but yeah. Yeah. So I, I did find that question. Oh, I just found it as well. So. <laughs> I, I said you want to goose chase, but um, so this is from Matthew Perry. What's up? You can find him at Pat Mary. Good um, name. Good name. Yeah, I, I really like that. Um, you can call me Treg Groxel, actually, Ooh. if you want. Um, yeah, uh, I have a question. That's good, Matt. Pending everyone is healthy, who do you think is the best pairing in the midfield? I know Longstaff has impressed, but lot of talent still injured. That's a t- that's honestly a, a little bit of a tough question. Um, I I don't know. <laughs> I think I I also I think that if like Newcastle were to fully convert to a five in the back, three four three, whatever you want to call it, and we're just playing, you know, let's say we're play we play Southampton, I think I would like to have a midfield pairing of Shelby and Longstaff because I Longstaff's going to defend, but it's also not a lot of pressure on him to be that. Uh, like destroyer type midfielder that like Hayden and Diame are because I feel confident about our back five being able to handle an attack from Southampton. I mean, if it's against Man City, I want, you know, another actual CDM in there, but I don't know. I think if I, if, if everything was perfect, I'd love to see a midfield where we could get either Shelby or key or Shelby or Longstaff playing alongside each other. Cause I just want to see two ambitious midfielders. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, uh, so that's my exact answer. And a great question, Matt. I, I would say, so I, I kind of describe this as like NFL, like a football situation, a quarterback situation in the NFL or college. So when you have a position, and I'm not saying this is the same position as a, mid, as a midfielder in soccer, but say in, as a quarterback in the NFL or college, if you go down, and for injury and the backup comes in and dominates or does very well, you, you no longer aren't the star. You're no longer the starter. You're sitting on the bench when you get back because that player has played for your job and won it. And essentially is like, until they lose it, sometimes, you know, you might not be a starter there ever again. Are, are you that, speaking from experience, Greg? Uh, well, just th- speaking from the university of Georgia, it happened with Jake Fromm. I mean, Oh, I thought you were going to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles with the backup won the Super Bowl. Oh well, yeah. Well, I mean, but that's not that's not the same situation because the the starter that got hurt is still the starter. You know? uh, I don't know. I mean, the coach came out and said it after the season this year. I don't know. Well, let's chalk that up for debate. Okay. Um, so for my point, like, I don't think Longstaff has done nothing to lose this job. He, he has played extremely well in, in every appearance that he's had this season. And then, like, and I don't see how you could justify putting somebody in to replace him at this point. Now, I understand, like, like Longstaff is eventually going to get tired and then Key is going to be healthy. So, like, obviously there's going to be some rotation there. But Longstaff has played to a point where he deserves to play now. I mean, he's he's done so well against top, like – unbelievable what he's done against the competition that he's faced so far i mean it's it honestly does not make sense to me i can't wrap my head around it at times because i've 
and I, I get giddy kind of talking about it because I've loved Longstaff for like three or four years now. I can't, I think four years. And yeah. I was like, wow, this guy has like such a good skill set, and I think he can make it. And now I see him there, and he literally just stared down the most expensive midfield in the Premier League and beat them single handedly with Isaac Hayden. And I, I just like, it's so cool to me. And he doesn't deserve to come off. And I do think it's a, it's a combination of him and Shelby or him and key, whatever, whatever ends up being the best comparison. But I think Longstaff deserves to be there. Yeah. That's my answer. Long answer. Sorry. Um, next question that we have. Sorry, I'm going to it. Um, one lost muffin mentioned him a few times. He says, "Is this real life, Elijah?" No, I, I've <laughs> I've had to answer this question a lot. It's not real life. You're all dreaming. Uh, you'll wake up in three. <laughs> yes, um, Matthew. You find him at Rawson in America. He said, "I've heard a couple concerns from Atlanta fans who watch him." Uh, so take this with a pinch of salt. He's not physical enough, and he's used to playing on turf in a nice, warm, covered stadium. This transition to the Premier League could be slow and frustrating for an impatient fan base. So I, let me do a quick answer, and then you can answer, because uh, I think you'll, you'll have a little bit more experience on this. Um, so so he's not physical enough. So we we – address this on the emergency pod it is something that he has to work on but one thing that that can combat physicality is speed and he has plenty of that and he's going to get fouled a lot because of his speed and and also lack of physicality so he's going to create getting fouls so it could end up being a pretty good positive but i also agree that it could be a slow start for him because you know there's things to get used to now the the turf thing in a warm covered stadium it it's really an absolute non-factor. Like it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, like, it really it, does not they, matter. They train on grass, so <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Um, and playing in a warm, covered stadium, his first two goals were on a snow-covered pitch, on grass. So there, that's what I say. <laughs> You're up, Flasha. Yeah. Um, uh, if anything, here's the that, thing. That's that, his first two Atlanta goals, by the way. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, one, Miguel Miron grew up playing on grass. Also, if anything, it's at his advantage to play on grass rather than turf. Yeah. Um, which is common knowledge. The other thing, um, I think one thing that people are forgetting um, in general in terms of like adjustment and all that stuff is that the travel in the MLS is worse than the travel in the Premier League by far. Um, America is like a billion times the size, not real, literally, of uh, – of, of uh of england so i really think that like his adjustment period in terms of climate may be difficult at first um, yeah i agree it's not, it's not anything out of the ordinary considering that you know mls does play cold weather games and he has played outdoors in the cold it's not something completely new to him but i also think he has a leg up in terms of um travel and things like that over you know maybe other players um, who are coming from europe um i think the physicality thing is an interesting thing because i think what people mistake for his ability to, um, I wouldn't say, how do I put this without his, uh, his ability to win fouls is not the same thing as him being bullied off the ball. If that makes sense, because he doesn't really get bullied off the ball that often. Um, 
if he and if he does, it's more of something he's doing in order to try to draw a foul. And if in the rare time he gets bullied off the ball, he just gets up and then goes and attacks the ball again. Like it's not like he's gonna sit there on the ground and like wallow in his sorrow. Like he's gonna get up and then still continue to work hard. So yeah, he's not part of the Italian national team. And and we and again we touch on this in in the pod um in the emergency pod um in the interview I did with. I forgot his name with Dirty South Soccer. Uh, <laughs> it, it's late the, for you. Nobody's going to call you. Um, the MLS is is probably one of the most physical leagues in the world because the refing is so bad. So um, I don't know. It's interesting uh, the physicality thing. But yeah, he is he is a smaller frame, and I think it's a deceptively small frame. And that's something that a lot of the guys and who work for Dirty South Soccer have been telling me that his frame is a little bit deceptive in terms of like how how he plays so yeah that's a good question though yeah no and it's great points i do say matthew like the turf thing i think is one of the biggest myths in in soccer in football um playing i mean it is a slight adjustment but it's not one that is going to cost like two months of development because oh my gosh i don't know how to play on grass anymore that's not that's not a thing um and, and the let's ball not does forget. differently the ball does <clears throat> you know, and, it, yeah. it's a different speed, but you know, half of the games he played were on turf, half were on grass. I mean, not Actually, every MLS pitch is more more than half were on grass because he played yeah. the first half of his first season on a grass field. Oh yeah, and he yeah so, he played the first half of the year. And you know it's crazy. So. You know it's crazy, Greg. What he still was scoring goals. It's it's wild, right? Yeah, yeah. The it's turf insane. thing, I just think, is a myth. It's not Matthew's fault by any means. It's just it's just some people think it's a it's a bigger deal than than we think it is. Yeah. Um, so I don't I, I think, don't necessarily see that's that as being an issue. Yeah. And there's more of a legitimate concern in terms of injury and turf to grass, but that's yeah, that's another conversation. Yeah, definitely is. Um, so. We have. I'm. I'm going to say two questions. We answered this on the emergency pod with Almiron, but obviously you weren't there, okay, Elijah, because you yeah. were doing another Almiron pod. Um. So it's it's from Trevor. He has a gem. So I wanted to ask you this because I thought it was a really good question. So he goes. So what does Almiron have have to adjust to the most? And the first is going from a deep South accent to a Geordie accent. The fir- The second option is having your boss go from uncle Arthur to fat Astley or third, instead of cuddling with your favorite Venezuelan as Joseph Martinez, you have a new Venezuelan in Ronda. Oh, uh, I think that, the third one. The third I one. said the third one too. No, I'm saying it's not as bad as I think it, as you think it would be. I think the first one is the toughest <laughs> because yeah. he has to learn English first. No. Well, yeah, but even some would say Jordy isn't necessarily English. <laughs> That's true, but it's certainly not Spanish. No, so. <laughs> no. But at least he. But the good thing is we have a Spanish contingent there. That's going to be a huge help. Yeah, yeah. that's it. But, he's gonna he's gonna immediately get more playing time to Muto from that alone. Is that yeah. he doesn't need to learn a new language? Yep. Uh, so Trevor's actual question for this podcast is the official questionnaire CHN Radio. Everybody, Trevor Mooney says what was the biggest upset newcastle over man city love daniel larusso over johnny lawrence and karate kid or the 13 colonies over great britain sorry for our british listeners here that's funny actually i think i think it was 
Um, <laughs> I think it was like the concept of spending cash over Mike Ashley is my biggest upset. <laughs> wow, an option four for the win. Oh yeah, awesome. Love it. I'm, you know, like I know we have a lot of English listeners. I'm sure you're happy to now not be associated with America, but the biggest upset is. is 13 colonies i mean farmers winning wars brilliant great story but really it's newcastle over man city let's be honest do you have anything else uh listen yes. to our pods <laughs> yes we have one more thing elijah i'm so oh. sorry for keeping you up what one little thing of we broke our transfer record yes for the first time in 14 years so, what's some things that didn't exist 14 years ago? The iPhone. The iPhone, yeah. Blu-rays. Um, Eric at Stumanji says EPL coverage in the United States. Actually, very true. Oh, that's good. Um, Atlanta United know. didn't exist. Atlanta United. Um, Eric also said uh, Newcastle United relocation from the Prem. Oh, whoop, rip. <laughs> Uh, Trevor Moody says, my armpit hair. <laughs> That's good. Um, the Duke of Stanley said, Mike Ashley. <laughs> yeah. Also didn't exist. Twitter. Yeah. Connor Con- Bennett said, the LED ad boards in St. James's Park. Okay. Very weird thing to say, but yeah, technically so true. true. <laughs> um, Callum said, Callum Healy said, the smartphones I used to, we used to read this tweet. True. <laughs> um, Brent Nuss and my disgust for Mike Ashley. Uh, Michael Bradley, not to be confused by the U.S. men's national team player, um, said, say, "Wow, big listener." Said, I, I might have said that, but he said Twitter. Um, and Chris Finley with the win, Man City. <laughs> that, that's so Love good. It. That that made me laugh so hard when I saw that. <laughs> Love it, Chris. That was yeah. awesome. Um, do you have any others? Uh no. <laughs> what did Wi-Fi exist 14 years ago? Uh yeah, but pretty bad, I imagine. Like barely. Okay. Um ESPN the Ocho didn't exist. Uh, Anchorman came out before that. It did? Yeah. Anchorman I feel like Anchorman was in the nineties. No, it wasn't. No, it was no. No, yeah, I'm I'm skied for that. It- uh, I feel yeah. like Anchorman came out in 2005, actually. Uh, I'm looking this up now. In 2004. Yeah, it did. If you don't know what we're talking about, just type in Anchorman and then just like oh, watch that You win. I mean, yeah, I know. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Well, do, do you have any any last ones? Um, our relationship didn't exist in Our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't know you. You nope. were still in the Northeast, I think. I don't know. 2005, I, yeah, I was in high school in Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thomas what a, McCain, what a way to that one. <laughs> Thomas McCain High School, shout out. Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well, it was an absolute pleasure. This is a longer podcast, but what an exciting podcast. We both predicted we would beat a top six side. We just beat a top six side, and we broke our transfer record. That is, that concludes the 39th episode at 9.39 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on January 31st, 2019. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. 
I'm with the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. And War Almiron, away the lads. Oh, my God. 